This is the Fail Fast Podcast. Stories of entrepreneurs who looked at failure in the eyes and didn't give up. With your host, the online sales master, Quinn Amorum. Welcome back to the show, my friends. Today, we have with us a guest that has been here about a year ago, and he joins us now with his second book. It is Todd Palmer, and the book is From Suck to Success, A Guide to Extraordinary Entrepreneurship. If you missed the past episode where Todd was here, we talked about how he used to be in $600,000 in debt, and from that hole, he climbed up all the way to making the Inc. 5000 list six times, okay? So now the, the title of the book is going to make a lot of sense, From Suck to Success. And Todd, he's also the CEO, if nothing changed, Todd is the CEO of Extraordinary Advisors. Todd, welcome to the show. Oh, I'm so glad to be back. Thank you so much for having me. It is a pleasure to have you here. And let's start from something I said. You are still the CEO of Extraordinary Advisors. Yeah, I'm still the CEO of Extraordinary Advisors. It's been a, a crazy ride since the last time we spoke. Um, my, my coaching practice, where I work with leaders and CEOs, teaching them inside-out leadership techniques, has grown 300% since uh, March of last year. We're recording this in February of 2021. So you know, in less than 12 months, I've had incredible growth in my business because I've been able to really work with leaders who are wrapped up trying to go from suck to success. And as I talk about in the book, most of that comes from within us. A lot of it comes from the leaders who are, are stuck in their own heads. They don't know how to communicate that through their organizations. And then the organizations become stuck. And how do we get them unstuck? And I teach a process of, of active, you know, the, the active learning cycle to get any leaders unstuck around any problem they're facing as soon as we can anchor them in their purpose and passion. And so it's by using that model, I, I've literally been, been blessed to work with leaders from around the globe. I've spoken from virtual stages from the United States to Mexico to over in Europe to Malaysia, Australia, all these places that I've never been to. And at least I can, you know, check them off my virtual bucket list, but haven't been there in person yet. And I was, you know, I took the opportunity during these tough times to double down and finish my book. And last week it was announced as an Amazon number one international bestseller. So it's, it's been an interesting 12 months since we've last seen each other. No kidding. That is, that is incredible. So congrats on the 300% growth. That is Thank fantastic. You. Congrats on launching that new book. And let me tell you something, that lemon on the cover, it is genius. Thank you. Because I'm going to tell you something. Before I looked at the cover and I saw on the email I had from you that the name of the book, I read it wrong. I read ah. From Stuck to Success. Ah. When I saw the lemon there, I'm like, oh, my, it is From Suck to Success. And uh, okay, so I got it. It's like embrace <laughs> embrace the suck. Yeah. And uh, so well, it's, it's, it's interesting. I've got some friends of mine who were in the military and Embrace the Suck actually was in a, from a conversation I had with them. And then I have another friend of mine who's really big into, you know, positive mindsets. And so how to take lemons and make them into lemonade. And then a, another friend of mine is very deep in nutrition said, oh, so it's kind of like if you were back in the you know, 1500s and you're coming across the ocean from Europe to America and you're on a ship and you get scurvy, they're going to give you a lemon for the vitamin C. So those are all suck to success stories. And I thought, the great thing about the cover is anybody can interpret it any way that best suits them. And then that makes me feel like the, they'll take more ownership in the process. Nice, nice. Okay. So uh, I wasn't the only one that liked it. And apparently a lot of people did because it made uh, the list of the best sellers on Amazon. How long did that take? You know, it's, so it's, it's an interesting process. And I've never done it before as an author where it's called an Amazon pre-sale marketing campaign. 
mm-hmm. and you you try to get as you know as many books sold in certain categories over about an eight hour period. It's just the you know I to, to say I fully understand it. I, I I would not be telling your audience or you the truth. But what I what I do know is it required a lot of work. <laughs> um, sold several hundred books in about an eight hour period wow. to to people in my network, people in my community, clients, family members. Yeah. My my son bought a book. My my clients bought a book. My brother out in California, his whole family bought books. I've you know I, I and then the generosity of strangers. I I had several people who I've never met interacted with saw the book out there. They saw it trending. Like hey, I'm gonna go buy that. It, it it's just been the craziest thing. I actually got a letter or a, an email yesterday from a guy who's in um out in the Boston area, and he goes, um I got a preview copy of your book from my brother. Loved it. Would you mind sending me an autographed business card? I, I'm a I'm a collector, and I, I just was like, wow! I said to my family, I said, I got I got like a fan letter. How cool is that? <laughs> the, oh man, that is so exciting! And and you know you know what? Uh, I received. I don't call it fan letter because I don't I don't, I don't know if I have fans, but I've received. <laughs> Uh, emails and thank you um, messages through Instagram and LinkedIn from mm. people that hear this podcast and the other podcasts that I have with commerce entrepreneurs and um, with nice things, right? Sure. Uh, and how I have helped them and without even knowing it, it's so amazing that the ripple effect that little things do we do that can help somebody else. And um, well, you know, I, I, you know, I, I've got a, a quick story for that that theme because you know, in my book, I talk about a thing called an ikigai, which is you know, this multi-layered approach to look at what your purpose and passion in life is. But if you want to really break it down simply, when people like you and I are doing, we're operating our sphere of genius, and, I, and I'm not using the genius because I think I'm some some super smart guy, but it's where it's our zone of where we should be. And I worked with Simon Sinek a dozen years ago, and he helped me figure out over two years, two words. And those two words are improve lives. So if I'm improving lives, that comes through not only from a, an auditory perspective for a listener or a visual perspective from somebody watching, but people actually feel that sincerity from folks like you and myself who, who are really showing up in the world playing full on, being vulnerable, maybe telling you, know, I know I've told some stories that are kind of, I think are kind of embarrassing, but those are the stories like, I don't, I don't get the, the, so the guy, you know, he wrote to me, he didn't say like, Hey, I really think it's cool that you had, you know, you're on the ink 5,000 six times. Or he's like, he's like, when you talked about your worst day of your life, that landed with me. And I could put myself in your shoes on that curb after firing your entire company, bawling your eyes out. Cause that took me to the moment. Like you're like, you're real. You're not some pie in the sky, Instagram person who puts out there, Hey, you know, buy my book and you get a yacht and some, some mm-hmm. bikini girls or some studly guys. No, he's like, you're just a real person. And that reality is like, I know what you're doing. That's what lands with people. It's that going back to your, your guy, your why your authentic self. That's, I think so important. And I think during these times of disconnection within the, the, the COVID uh, backlash, it, it, people need that more than ever. Definitely do. Definitely do. There's so I mean, so many people affected and, and of course some, some more than others. Sure. Uh, and I, I think everybody has been affected, right? There, there are some businesses that have actually been affected in a positive way. Like, sure. for example, you mentioned you have a 300% growth. Sure. Uh, my, my e-commerce businesses have been growing uh, tremendously. That's awesome. Because people, uh, they for the longest time, they couldn't or didn't want to uh, go out and buy their things. So they would go and buy more from Amazon and Walmart.com. And, and of course whoever the seller is, uh, is going to, to grow. But there are so many sad stories, unfortunately. There are. Uh, as, as somebody that has, I, I know you had 
a huge experience in, in consulting and helping others. Have you heard some of these horror stories that um, people were affected by? Well, I, I have heard some stories and, it, and it's been so powerful for me. You know, as a coach, it's, it's a powerful piece to be in. My job is I am the guide of my clients. I call them the hero's journey. So, you know, check out literature, check out movies. There's usually the, the, the character who's struggling to make decisions or struggling to get from point A to point B. And then there's that, that, that sage, that guide over them who's pointing things out. You know, go back to Star Wars. You got Luke Skywalker, you got Obi-Wan Kenobi or Yoda. You've got Frodo in Lord of the Rings series who's got Gandalf. So we all need someone to be the guide of our hero's journey. And as a coach, I get that blessing. And I found that the best way for, for entrepreneurs who have really struggled, who really suffered, is to adopt a mindset, and this is probably going to you know, freak a couple of people out listening, but I'll explain it. Adopt the mindset that this, whatever this tragedy is, this tragedy has happened for me, not to me. Mm-hmm. So I'll use myself as the example. In March of last year, I was supposed to be on six different stages in three different countries speaking, talking about what I do as a coach, teaching from stage, you know, eliciting conversation, creating that connection in the room. And these were prepaid gigs. I was going to be flying all over the globe. My family was excited to see me get out the door. Lots of good things were happening. And boom, within two weeks, they were all gone, all canceled through no fault of my own. Just like a you know, restaurateur whose restaurant may have been shut down through no fault of their own. What we can do then is we can choose, we can make the choice that, yes, this is my brutal reality. I talk about it in my book, The Stockdale Paradox. This is my brutal reality. I'm going to find a way to make this brutal reality the defining moment of my life or the defining moment of my week or the defining moment of my year. We can do a lot with that. So I decided that I could take my why, which is improving lives. And I can apply that to people at the grocery store. I can apply it to, I talk to high schools for free. I've talked to, I've talked to entrepreneur groups for free to help them get unstuck around that. I did a program where I talked to 42 CEOs in 67 days, all for free to improve their lives. One, I had the time. Two, I had those prepaid gigs, so I had cash coming in the door, so I wasn't going to be uh, you know, out on the street. And what I found was an immense sense of appreciation and gratitude from those communities. Now, we're gonna, we, I pivoted forward, and I'm working with a, a restaurant tour out in the West Coast. And his, he had a high-end restaurant. It was shut down. He was having some struggles with his – he had a business partner. And he was the, he was the, the front office in this uh, – and he had a, a background in culinary, and his back, his back office person was his chef partner. And they were in chaos and crisis. They were not getting along, then COVID hit. And they decided to, to break, break up the business. And what he decided he was going to do was he always loved the high-end pizza market. So he decided to open a pizza place because they had two locations. So one partner got one location. The other partner got the other location, which you think would be, they thought would be less desirable because it was smaller, which during a pandemic is great because then you have less real estate expense. Mm-hmm. Didn't really have a lot of staff, which is perfect if you're going to open a pizza business. And he created these customized pizza programs where he was creating essentially date nights at home. Last time I talked to him, in a, he was going to do over about a nine to 12 month period, anywhere between four and $5 million in pizza sales. Talk about, talk about seizing an opportunity within the tragedy. So my point of, of the story, whether it's mine or this other person's story, is if we look for those opportunities within those tragedies and we decide that something's happening for us, not to us, we can make some difficult decisions in a much more healthier way. I, I love that concept. Things are happening for you, not to you, because a lot of people think the world is against me. Yes, and, and, yes, they do. <laughs> And, and, and that, that is a terrible way to live, right? And when you think, like you just said, it's happening for you. I think it was Tony Robbins that said that often the worst thing that ever happened to you becomes the best thing that ever happened to you. Oh, for sure. For sure. You know, it's, it's, I, 
I was $600,000 in debt. I didn't tell people for years. It is literally the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Mm-hmm. Now, I talk about it pretty much every day, often multiple times a day. You never would think that your mess becomes your message, but you're absolutely right. The, the, the tough times we go through can really help shave, shift us, change us, and move us into places we've never even thought were going to be play, possible for us. Exactly. And, and sometimes, or, or most of the times, I would risk saying that the pivots that come from there are better than the original idea. And it's something that you, you hadn't thought of before, like in this case, the pizza place. I'm guessing that there's so many other stories out there. A lot of the software that we know that came from Silicon Valley wasn't originally designed to be what they are today. Right. It's so important. I love that you pointed that out. You know, when we, when I deal with entrepreneurs who are trying to, I call it my E4 process where I try to get them to, to recognize what's not working for them to pivot into intention, not expectation, and then put a strategy to that intention and then create massive action around that. I always refer back to the software guys. Software guys will have no problem. It's called failing forward, right? They, they'll put out a software with a couple of you know, missing pieces or a couple of bugs mm-hmm. in it, and then they'll put another, you know, I get an app on my phone, boom, it'll pop up, hey, you need to do an update, you need to do an update. I finally told the client, said, you know what an update is? Here's what an update is. It's something that didn't work, which means it failed. And now you got an update, so now it's going to work. So why can't you do that in your construction company, in your restaurant retail business, in your service-based business? It, it, it's a universal application. That is is 100% true. A lot of people do not read when they do an update on their phone or an update on Instagram or Facebook. They don't read what they're updating. They just click the button and update it. But the reality is nine out of 10 updates are repairs on something that was broken. And only one is an added feature, right? It yes. added something new. Yes, exactly. But people only know, notice the, the features because it's something different. Well, like, oh, right. Facebook changed. And you know what? I don't like change. That's something that's <laughs> <laughs> that normally happens. Right. But yeah, you are absolutely right. So now on, on your book, From Suck to Success, the, the first half of the book are collections of concepts and stories, right? And, and most of those are 2020 stories. of Yeah, a lot of the, yeah, the, again, going back to tragedy, turning into opportunity, I told a lot of stories in the book about dealing with entrepreneurs who were dealing with COVID. I also, you know, pulled people in from my tribe. I didn't want to just tell my story or tell the story of, of maybe, you know, I, I certainly tell the story of, you know, people you do, you have heard of like Barbara Corkin from Shark Tank, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Colonel Sanders from Kentucky Fried Chicken has a piece in there. But I also brought in real people that, you know, Brian Scudamore of 1-800-GOT-JUNK. I know Brian, he, he volunteered to be in the book. I brought in some of my clients, like, like Tom Schwab from Interview Valet came in and contributed. I brought in Deb Gabor to talk about branding. I, I even brought in my brother. My brother, Greg, contributed a couple of pieces to the book because, believe it or not, my brother was my first coach. And, and people like, oh, well, he's your coach. He's your brother. He, he, you know, of course, that makes sense that, you know, he'd want to help you. Okay, I'm telling you and your audience, I paid my brother. And here's why I paid my brother. I, there were many months I paid my brother as my coach before I paid myself because I knew that if I didn't feel enough pain and if I wasn't investing in myself in my turnaround and I wasn't paying the people who were helping me the most, that I wasn't going to take the advice seriously. There's a, you know, there's a, you know, I, and I learned that from a friend of mine who's an actor. And when we were in school together back in the you know, early 90s, you know, I'm in Michigan and he's in New York City. And we had this long conversation because I want to come out and hang out for a weekend. Like, who doesn't want to go to New York City for a weekend? That'd be pretty cool. But I says, yeah, you're welcome to come out. You can sleep on my couch, but I haven't got time to hang out. 
I said, oh, wow, did you get, a, did you get an acting gig? He's like, no, I got to wait. I'm waiting tables. I said, well, just take a weekend off. He's like, you don't understand. I'm waiting tables so I can pay my rent and pay for my acting lessons. He goes, and I'm not going to let anybody interrupt my dreams. You know, because I'm telling you, there are many months I pay for my acting lessons before I pay for my rent because it's an investment in myself. And I, he blew me away. So I'm 52 years old. He's been a working actor since we were in our 20s because he invested in himself. Just like when I had to turn my business around, I had to hire a coach. I had to invest in myself to get the help I needed. Just like I work with my clients now. They're like, well, you know, I can go to a free service instead of using you as a coach. I'm like, absolutely. You get what you pay for. Not sure many coaches have, have had the, the rocky roads that I've had because I'm going to walk that journey with you. But you certainly have to do what feels right to you. But I always challenge them, whomever they engage with, make sure you see any coaching and relationship as an investment, not an expense. That is beautiful advice. And uh, I believe in it now, you know, and I wasn't always like this. There was a point where I thought, and that's when I was losing, by the way, coincidentally, that I thought nobody needs a coach. And coincidentally, that was the time where I was losing the most. Mm. And, uh, and something had to happen. Again, the worst thing that happens to you becomes sometimes the best. Sure, sure. And it changes the, the way you see the world. And then you end up realizing that um, the only idiot is actually <laughs> you, right? So that, uh, that was a correction that I did. And so learning is now one of my favorite things constantly. Sure. And, um, well, you know what, the great thing about it I found is like being, I call it being a lifelong learner. And when we're lifelong learners, what happens for us is not just business, but life becomes our, our curriculum. Life becomes our classroom. And I've had clients, you know, during this pandemic, for example, that have grown and scaled their business beyond their wildest dreams because of, of things they learned during the tough times. I've had other clients who, who've decided to take inventory on their lives, you know, as a CEO, as an entrepreneur, Wherever you go, there you are. So we, there's work-life integration. It's never work-life balance. And I've had clients of mine who've checked into 12-step programs to rehab, to get themselves unstuck internally because they've realized not only is the bottleneck in their business the CEO themselves, but they've also realized the bottleneck in their marriages or the bottleneck with their kids is themselves. And they realize they need to go out and get help. So it's been such a transformative time. But they couldn't do that if they weren't willing to be lifelong learners be self-accountable, realize it's inside-out leadership to get them where they want to go. Wow. It's like it's like we're in symphony here because uh, I was told this once uh, at the time where, where those things were happening and uh, business was failing, relationships were failing, mm. and several of them. And, um, and I was asked once, um, so can you find a common denominator in everything? Yeah. And it was me, right? Yeah. So basically, when things are happening uh, and they're happening for you, just remember that they're happening for you. Uh, they're also happening for a reason, and right. a lot of the times you are that reason. So that well, is- it's, there's a there's a model out there of, of therapy. It's called Imago. For anybody listening, it's spelled I M A G O. It's by a guy named Harville Hendricks, and it comes from a book called Getting a Love You Want. And his premise, which I think, which I believe in, is we actually bring people into our lives to help us heal, and we bring them in because Part of the healing process is how they make us crazy and how we make them crazy and how when we realize that and recognize it, there's a whole process they put people through, but it's powerful because I see the transformation and the transformation doesn't come in my relationship with my partner, my, my transformation, your transformation, anyone's transformation is going to come in their relationship with themselves then how they show up back with that partner and how they d- exhibit different kindness. Cause that partner, it just like, and think about it like this too. 
everybody who works with us and for us in our organizations also bring who they are to the, to the office. And we, everybody, a lot of people wear masks and they'll show, but the reality is sometimes the people who drive us crazy are sometimes the people we need the most. <laughs> True enough. So um, although things are, are going, going well for you right now, are there, there are some uh, business frustrations, things that you have to deal with that are, you know, like the biggest frustration of today? Oh, my biggest frustration really is that, that interesting point I've reached with my coaching practice and with the book coming out is how do I manage my time and my energy effectively to create the greatest impact and how many lives can I improve? So I'm looking at different programs such as, you know, beyond individual coaching, which I, I love and I, my, my intention is to do it for the rest of my life because that's where I get my greatest satisfaction. And I've been recently contacted by some, some startup entrepreneurs or some solopreneurs who maybe for whatever reasons, you know, aren't in a position to afford a coach. Well, what else can I do for them? So I'm, I'm you know, I had a, just had a call with someone about putting my book on audio. In the process of putting it on audio, maybe there's a way we can take some of the book and, and put it in teaching modules. And then I can get you know five or 10 people into a mastermind group to then have them do some self-coaching. I can appear you know once a month or once a week, or whatever the number is going to be, to serve a greater group and, and to create a, a bigger community. And it's it's really the the, the challenge is there's only, you know, I can only sell my time once. Uh, there's only one of me to go around. And as, as the business has grown and mushroomed, you know, I, I, I don't like telling people no. Uh, I think it goes back to being an old salesperson. I, we all love the word yes. Mm. But beyond that, I, I just see so many people who are in need. And if I can give something to them, you know, like, for example, you know, anybody who's listening today, go, go to my website, extraordinaryadvisors.com or my website, the book from my website, from suck to success.com. And I'll give you a free, cha- free chapter of my book. And it's, I think it's the best chapter of the book because it kind of lays out the entire book. And, it, and, it, and it's certainly designed to, to whet your appetite. But if it's all anybody got, and it's their only interaction with me ever, and they got value out of that, then it, the story I tell myself is I'm living my, my purpose, my ikigai, my why of improving lives. So for me, to, to, you know, just to kind of summarize your question is, you know, there's only so much of me to go around. I'm trying to figure out how can I maximize that to make the greatest impact. Cool. Now, here's something that I just thought of, and I've never asked anybody this before, but if there is the best self of Todd Palmer, are you close enough to catching up with him? That's a great question. Um, it is so interesting that you've never asked that, but one of, one of my favorite bands is a band called the Foo Fighters. I love Dave Grohl. Like, I liked him in Nirvana, but I really loved him in his solo work. And he has a song called The Best of You. And he just chants over, are, are people getting the best of you, the best of you, the best of you? And I was actually listening to that at the gym this morning. So your timing is serendipitous. Nice. And, and for me, you know, I feel that at this stage of my career, I, I, I believe that by being a servant leader to others and, and helping them on their hero's journey, you are getting the best of me. And by being a servant leader in my family, they're getting the best of me. And a lot of it comes down to dealing with my internal itty bitty shitty committee. Because if I can manage my reactivity, I can manage my imposter syndrome and my negative self-talk because we all still have it. And I can show up more present, be a better active listener, allow people the safe space to be vulnerable, whether it's family, whether it's friends, whether it's clients, and then help them reach points of self-acknowledgement, self-awareness, and self-breakthroughs I can't think of more a worthwhile thing for me to do with my time. And I'm a blessed guy. 
I get to go do a lot of cool things. But when I'm in those moments with my leaders, and I and that's what I love, do love about Zoom is I can see that light bulb go off, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, I I I've been working on that problem for eight years, hmm. and I've been blaming the external world for that problem for eight years. Oh my gosh, it's me, and now I have the power. I'm empowered." How do I, and we just get on a, a, a session of, of self-discovery. Honestly, I can't think of a of better work I could be doing. Nice. So this is what you do right now is your favorite, your favorite of what you do. Oh, so I, I was a good recruiter, but it was never my passion. You know, I was, a, I think I was a decent CEO, but I had a lot to learn and I was better in my last day before versus my first day. Um, and I, but I used to teach college. And when I was teaching college, I loved that work because of the learning that other people received in the room, the learning from the community within the classroom, the learning from me and the, and the self-expression, the safe space we created. You know, I think so much today, but I think it's been around for a long time, but specifically for today, so much what people want, to, want from our communities, our leaders, is to be seen and to be heard. And when I can help someone feel like they're seen and they're heard, and, they, and that, then they can relax and they can access parts of their brain to their creative, not reactive, and they can have breakthrough moments. I mean, I've had it with, with CEOs from you know, guys in their, and people in their sixties and seventies. And I've had it with, I had it, I had it last week with a kid who's 11. Oh, that just, it's the most satisfying work I can do. So I appreciate the question so much. Oh, and I just thought of something that it was, it just happened yesterday too. And, um, well, we've been now for the last couple of weeks teaching our kids about being grateful. And yeah, I have one is seven, but I have two of my kids are, they're both three-year-olds. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit harder for them even to know what that means. And yesterday we were at the table and it was funny because we asked them again, so what are things that you are grateful for? And normally you expect the kids, like you're grateful for a toy or grateful for a candy or, right? Right. Well, they're because they're kids, right? Yeah, exactly. And so they started saying the nicest things and nothing was about possessions or, or toys or candy. It was about uh, feelings and having mommy and daddy. And, and of course, then one, it was grateful for something that she wanted, something that she wanted that didn't have yet. Of course, that, that was going to come up. But it, it, it is, like you, you mentioned, you were talking to somebody that was 11 years old. And age doesn't matter much for uh, these days. I think it was different a long time ago. I don't know if we were all thinking the same like machines back then or if so- what happened. So, so I have a theory on that. So again, I love the interview, having such a good time. I love the question. So think about it from Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You know, when we are, you know, in the industrial age or the farming age in the United States, for example, you know, we're very much wrapped up in the very baseline issues of fight or flight, mm-hmm. safety, safety for safety. And take it back to the days of the being chased by the dinosaurs. Listen, my, I don't want self-actualization. I just want to be able to live till tomorrow. And if you look back less than a hundred years ago, We've, you know, we've increased our lifespan by a significant factor. So now we've got a whole lot more. We're doing a whole lot less with our hands. We have a more free time, more disposable time, which allows us for reflection. So there's that piece. So I think, I think, it's, I think first, we, you know, it's, it's socioeconomic. I think a second piece to your question why kids are, it, it, you know, the gift we can give them as adults is, you know, check out the work by Sean Aker. Sean Aker is, is a gratitude expert. 
And Aker talks about if you want to be happier and you've got depression issues and you've got sadness in your life, uh, certainly look and see what's contributing to that. But you want to start pivoting that immediately, start expressing gratitude for what you do have. Start expressing gratitude to the other people. And he shows this, this, this scan of a brain about how our brain will fire differently and release different chemicals when we express gratitude to other people. And so I remember during the, you know, when COVID hit, I, you know, I started just going through my phone and my, my Rolodex and started reaching out to people. And I got engaged with people I hadn't talked to in a couple of years. I, you know, that was my fault. I could have been a better friend. So let's, let's fix that. Let's correct that. And I had some really powerful conversations with people who were just so appreciative of my expression of gratitude that it changed their days. So if you can teach, we can teach our kids that when we express gratitude for others, gratitude for the small things, gratitude for the big things, we're actually rewiring and changing our brains. And we're also changing the relationships in our community. And that's, for me, there's nothing more valuable. Uh, Todd, I just thought of something that is kind of a funny story, but I did something similar to you in and I started reaching out to a lot of people that I hadn't spoken with in a long time mm-hmm. and try to have like some sort of contact to, you know, keep, keep the, the relationship going and stuff. And funny enough, one of my friends that I hadn't spoken with in a long time, I, I got a hold of him and he said, well, it's been a long time since we spoke. I hope you didn't join the MLM. <laughs> Yeah, well, you, you get those friends, you get those calls, and it's, um, you know, I, I think we as a society, and I, I, I certainly fall into this category at times, we get, we get lazy. We, get, we tell ourselves how busy we are. But, you know, where our awareness goes, our energy flows. I learned that from a, from a, a gentleman by the name of Dan Dapani. He's a monk. And, and he taught us that if we really, if we put, focus our energy on things that matter to us, we will take action towards them. And when we are not having to rush around when we are potentially homebound, we, it gives us a chance to take a breath and it gives us a chance to, to reach out to people that are important to us. And it, you know, when we, when, when the world is shut down and, the, and our ability to be busy is reduced, I, I think it's a chance to really take in for me, at least it was a chance to take inventory of what matters most. And, you know, there, there's a great book out there by a good friend of mine, Nigel Bennett. And, and he, and he is the name of the book is called taking a leap for what ma- what matters the most. And, and he talks about, and he tells the stories how he was traveling the world and he was not watching his kids grow up. And he hires this coach, Kevin Lawrence. And he and Kevin had set out a 10-year plan for Nigel. By year eight, he had completely stopped working in the day-to-day operations of his business. His business was actually growing magically. The entrepreneur was the bottleneck. There's no surprise. And he took a year-plus trip with his family around the globe with everybody having nothing more than a backpack. And when I, last time I talked to him a couple of weeks ago, he, he brought that story up and he talked about how in today's world where travel is completely restricted, he's like, he's so grateful that he has these memories with his now adult children that he never would have had before. So really it does come down to doubling down on what matters the most. Mm. Uh, that makes perfect sense. So, you, you know, you, you mentioned the finding your why earlier and uh, I, I've heard many people that, say their why is their family is their kids and that's why they're into businesses so they can make enough money to have the freedom to spend that time with their kids right the reality is uh when they do get because they don't set uh, an actual goal when when they do get busier 
that freedom is not spent with their kids that are there already, right? So they f- they have a why, they just forget it because there's no, uh, I guess they didn't turn on the GPS to know when they arrive. Well, yeah, for sure. Well, you know what I always tell my clients? Hope is not a strategy. Hope is not a plan. And if we really think our, you know, if we're doing this hard work for our family to, to get us, then let's have a plan. And let's share that plan with our family. Let's have a family meeting. Let's get everybody together from the youngest to the oldest to the significant others and talk about what we're going to do and how it's going to roll out. Um, what I've often found, and this can be painful, is a lot of entrepreneurs will put out there, I'm doing all this for my family, doing all this for my friends. I'm doing all this for my community. And the reality is they're doing it all for themselves. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's those tough conversations because as a coach, I'll say to them, cool, you're doing all this for your family. Tell me what success, define what success for your family looks like. Well, we're going on a trip. Cool. So you're going to spend 10 days in Hawaii. Great. That sounds awesome. Then what? Well, that's it. I said, okay, so really, it's, you're really just doing this to, to get a trip. I mean, the reality is money is nothing more than an instrument of, to create freedom and flexibility because the, we have diminishing resources. We have diminishing resources of our personal internal energy and diminishing resources of our time. Every, every day we live, we're, we're closer to the end than to the beginning. And how do we work through that? And get into these leaders to understand that you're kidding yourselves and your family knows this, that you're not doing it for them, that you're doing it for you. So let's just call it what it is. And mm. let's dig down why you're doing it for you. Let's go really into that basement of why. And I, that is some of the most transformative experiences I've ever been through. When I hear, you know, I'm doing it because I grew up poor and my, my parents got a divorce because they always fought about money. And I don't want my kids to go through that because I, I go, well, then let's go a layer deeper. How did that make you feel when your parents got divorced? I felt, I felt abandoned. I felt unimportant. I felt lonely. Okay. So are you saying that if you don't make enough money, you're going to let your family, you're going to be, you're going to, those, that's could be your worst reality. And they just look at me like, oh my God, that's exactly what's right. It's that fear hmm. of, of being alone. It's that fear of letting other people down. It's that fear of not being enough. It's that fear of being abandoned. Once we get there, then we can do the work. And that work could still result in going on trips with your family, but know why you're doing what you're doing. Know that you're, you're, you're dealing with an internal pain and you're trying to feed it with external forces, external trips, exter- external toys and, and gadgets. Know that, realize that that is a shelf life and it typically doesn't work for most people. Rock stars can be rock stars for only so long and eventually they got to you know, start living the regular life. Same with entrepreneurs. Once they have those breakthroughs, I kid you not, I, I've seen marriages heal. I've seen families reconnect. And I even talk about it in my book, how I, you know, the beginning of my book is how I reconnected with my son. So I've lived it. And it's important, I think, for people to recognize that often what we think is a surface issue, we've got to go deeper to really get to the root cause. Um, You have some fantastic points. So I, I cannot wait for everybody that is listening, that is as excited as I am to, to know more about you in, in the book. And they can also have your first book. Remind me of the name of the first one. Yeah, the first book is called The Job Search Process. It's also available on Amazon. And it's a book that teaches people how to find a, a job in six weeks or less. And typically, it's, it's, uh, it was very popular with kids just getting out of high school or college looking for their first jobs. It's been interesting during the pandemic as unfortunately, people have been displaced. There's actually been a spike in sales because a lot of more people need to figure out how to go find a job and, and they weren't looking to go find a job. Um, and then my second book, From Suck to Success, um, is really designed... And the title talks about a guide to extraordinary entrepreneurship, and I think it is. But beyond that, it's really more of a guide to to create an an extraordinary life. 
and, if you, and, and I opened the book by talking about reclaiming the word extraordinary. You know, extraordinary is a singular word. You and I could talk about what extraordinary means to us, and they're going to be, we're going to have different answers, but they're both right because they're singular. So what an extraordinary life looks like to you may be different than what an extraordinary life looks like to me. For me, an extraordinary life is doing what I want, where I want, with whom I want, as often as I want to go do it. Sometimes it's taking my family, and sometimes it's not. Uh, sometimes it's going to play baseball in, in Arizona. Sometimes it's going for you know a walk in the snow you know with my, with my family. It, and sometimes it's being with my clients. But as long as that it's under my definition of what an extraordinary life, extraordinary life looks like, you know it, it it allows for so much more creativity versus you know an, an extraordinary life at one point for me is only having a twenty million dollar company and that was miserable. Mm. So extraordinary life not only changes from person to person, but even with the same person, it changes from one day to the other one or one hour to the other one. Yep. Good. Well, and it can, as long as you know what the, the, like for me, I want to improve lives. Well, I couldn't go speak from stage. I can do it on Zoom. I, want to, I can't do it. The craziest thing is, you know, I moved to a new neighborhood about three years ago. I didn't know any of my neighbors. <laughs> you, know, you think you should go to be neighborly, right? Well, they're busy and I'm busy. We're, you know, we wave at each other, the mailbox. Well, when, when you can't go see anybody else, we created these little block parties. I got to know my neighbors. That was great. It was part of my extraordinary journey. I got to know a guy who lives next to me. Come to find out, he's, you know, he's, he's a retired mountain climber. He's been on Kilimanjaro and he tried everything. I'm like, dude, you are badass. He's like, he's like, no, you can go stand in front of 300 people and have a conversation. Yeah, you're badass. And that mutual respect, it was just so much freaking fun. But I just decided that doing what I want, where I want, with whom I want, as often as I want to do it, and improving lives for me is the definition of extraordinary life. There you go. And you just reminded me of something that I we missed out on this summer because of COVID. And it is the, the, the neighborhood block parties because we used to do the same thing here. And it's fantastic to know like the person that lives across from you for a few years that you didn't even know that much about them and you have so much in common. It's for so sure, good. for sure. Todd, before I let you go, tell everybody where they can find out more about you and where they can find the books. We already talked that they are available on Amazon, but I bet you have it somewhere else available too. Yeah, just come to my website, extraordinaryadvisors.com. Um, I'm giving away a free chapter, as I mentioned earlier. Just put in your email and we'll ship it off to you via email and you'll get it right away. Um, for anybody who's interested actually in having a conversation with me to help them improve their lives or, or to help them figure out what their why is. Um, I'm offering 30 minutes free, no charge. I'm happy to talk to anybody around the globe. I've talked to people who are solopreneurs. I've talked to people who are CEOs of Fortune 100 companies. Um, I, it, 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 what it allows me to do is it, it feeds my improving lives mindset. And also is a chance for me to, to pay back the coaches who've helped me on my journey because they were always generous with their time to me. And if I can have one, you know, I had talked to one young lady one time who, you know, was, was struggling with life and she had, you know, was living in her car and we put together a plan and a strategy to get her to a new place in life. And I heard from her the other day and she's moving along. And that is just, you know, again, people want to be seen, people want to be heard. And if I can help anybody in that, in any of those areas, please reach out, Todd at extraordinaryadvisors.com. Please mention you heard me on the show today and I'm happy to, to make the time for you. That is amazing. Todd, thank you for my, so much for your time. It's always it's always extraordinary listening to you. Ah, oh, thank you. Thank <laughs> you. And I had to use that word. And uh, it is true. I, I love talking to you, Todd. So thank you so much. Uh, thank you, brother. Thanks for subscribing to Fail Fast Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review and visit failfastpodcast.com for show notes, Quinn's social media, or even to tell us your story.